Do you love watching sports highlights? Five Star, the world's first sports highlight rating app is here. Athletes and fans can share, view, and rate the best sports highlights between one and five stars. The app is comment-free and has athletes of all skill levels, even pros like Kylie O'Miller, Kyle Harrison, and the 2022 PLL MVP, Trevor Baptiste. Download Five Star Highlights to earn yours. Fresh off a trip to Morocco after a full summer of PLL with the Archers, the quintessential cross podcast, we welcome in Adam Gittleman. Uh, are you live from Park City, Utah? I'm live. I'm I'm back home in, in Park City, Utah after uh, after a wonderful trip at, uh, postseason here. Um, you know, really excited to be back home and uh, get started with uh, lacrosse this fall uh, around in Utah. But just had an amazing experience um, out in Europe. And uh, yeah. Where'd you go? So I, uh, after the season finished up, I, I had sort of planned on uh, doing some travel, you know, since the pandemic, been kind of cut off from having experiences like that. And, um, you know, had, had the date basically booked right after the championship. Um, unfortunately, sort of a unceremonious finish for us, but I uh, was really excited to, to get out to Europe. I essentially flew into Italy, uh, arrived in Milan, uh, did some traveling around there, went up to Lake Como, uh, cruised back to the city. And then I was ultimately, my my journey took me south and I had the opportunity to sort of see the southern coast of France, um, some of the most beautiful places I've ever seen and uh, wrapped up the trip, went somewhere really unique. Uh, my first opportunity to step on uh, soil in Africa and and was able to, to spend uh, two days in Morocco and it's just crazy to think about. I'm, I'm back home in my apartment right now. And, you know, four or five days ago, I was sitting on top of a camel uh, cruising around in the desert. Uh, so it was a great trip and just, uh, you know, sort of a spiritual refresher for me, a revitalizer as, you know, moving to the fall here and um, onto our next season as coaches. Did you take a boat across the Mediterranean or did you fly? So I ended up flying. Um, I booked the trip from Nice Airport, which is sort of like halfway through the, the journey from Genova, Italy, all the way down to where I ended up on the on the coast in Saint-Tropez, um, one of the more difficult places to get to, and I could see why uh, it is the way it is there, <laughs> but that was a great experience. So no lacrosse on the trip? You know, in the past, that's always been a major component of all these trips, uh, just for me, it was it was kind of a, a, a time in my life where I sort of needed just uh, a, a personal experience. So, um, you know, as we move forward and kind of get back out there and the world's opening up and and it has been, um, that'll be a major focus for me sort of moving into the into the near future. I'm very jealous. Keep traveling, especially when you're not uh, locked down with a family. That's right. Well, I still can. Uh, tell me about Park City. They built, they making snow yet? <laughs> no snow yet, but uh, this time of year is, is one of the most beautiful times. You know, the, the trees start to turn and, you know, being in the mountains and all the vast forests out here, it's it's an unbelievable time. The, the temperature is perfect, you know, kind of moved into the 70s and being outside during the day is you know, it's just, it's just something you got to be doing. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a beautiful time of year out here in Park City. And we'll probably 
work up until sort of early November, mid-November, they'll start blowing snow. And hopefully by Thanksgiving, maybe post-Thanksgiving, you're starting to get some some real snowfall and hoping for an early start to the season. When the PLL was in Park City, excuse me, when the PLL was in Salt Lake City, I stayed in Park City at that Hyatt down on the highway uh, before the before you get to town. But because of the uh, the lightning strikes and the schedule being changed, it kind of backfired on me, and I spent a lot of time driving back and forth. But yeah, I'm definitely definitely going back for for a longer stay if the PLL heads out there next summer. Yes, it's it's an unbelievable place, unbelievable place to live, and you know with what's going on out here with lacrosse since since we came out, you know about what I've seen over the past six seven years is is really special to be a part of. So, you know, Utah's a state in the lacrosse community that's just uh you know it's ready to be booming which you know we're starting to see that happen uh with the kids coming out of the state now you know we start that conversation with Bubba Fairman but all the all the kids that went to Rutgers as well it was cool to see this past spring in the final four three of the final four teams had a kid on their roster from Utah and just goes to show you that 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 depth of high level talent is really starting to show itself here. And it's, it's really been cool to see over the past few years, a lot of the success kids have had in college uh, outside of just high school here in Utah. So what's the deal now? It, it's growing at the club level and the high school level. Yes. So since we've been out here, what we've seen is the addition of a NCAA division one uh, lacrosse program for men's and also, which probably is having the most impact right now, is that they have um, God? What basically they the boys 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 yeah. lacrosse has been sanctioned for for at the high school level, so now the kids you know instead of it being a club sport experience for them at high school, they're they have the funding and they have the support and the teams, um, they just have this uniformity now and consistency that's really helping uh, the development at that level. And, you know, the club stuff, that's that's certainly been a big part of our lives over the past year or so since we moved on from Utah. And uh, we run a lacrosse club out here, myself, Will Manny, Brent Adams, and Bubba Fairman. Um, and then we just seen all all these young, you know, the the young lacrosse players that, that you see that are dime a dozen in Baltimore, you're, they, they're starting to really – pop out of the ground here so it's cool to see that culture you know that lacrosse is really becoming more of a, a sort of a, a lifestyle to these kids it's something that they're really falling in love with at a young age it's, it's really really cool to see because it's almost like you're starting to have those younger brothers come up and you're starting to have you know the first generation become the second generation out here of lacrosse players and you can just kind of feel that in the culture and how the kids are and how much they love the sport. The Utah Valley is booming. I was out at BYU week two college football and and you can just feel it everywhere you go. Incredible growth. A lot of East coast and California transplants who are probably bringing some lacrosse roots with them. Yes. Yes. And I think that was already happening, but I think the pandemic also impacted us there where, there were a lot of families that were moving sort of from those high population coastal areas to Utah where, you know, the, the, it wasn't as bad uh, of an experience here just because per capita, 
we didn't hit some of the some of the numbers that those big cities were having. So pe- people with families were relocating. So we've had a number of of those types of situations where we've gotten to know families that came from LA or even New York or you know other areas of the country where they kind of wanted to find some open space. Fed up with the same old generic lacrosse clothing? Check out Hobo Lex, the new up-and-coming lacrosse streetwear company, making even the dustiest of players look drippier than a chocolate sundae. Visit www.hobolax.com and use code QUINT to get 50% off your first purchase. That's hobolax, H-O-B-O-L-A-X.com and the code QUINT, Q-U-I-N-T, all caps, for 15% off your first purchase. Let's segue into your PLL Archer summer. Uh, to be down on the field this summer a couple times and, and to watch the pros operate, their skill, the speed, the accuracy of the shooters. How do you best describe the challenge for a PLL goalie? No, I think it's one that with time and experience, you, you just, you just get better at dealing with. Um, you know, I think as, as a goalie, the one of the things that's always helped me has been just the high level of elite studying that goalies are doing against the offensive players that, that they're going to be going against. And you'll find in, in a lot of cases, you know, the goalie on each of these PLL teams is sort of the assistant defensive coordinator, <laughs> you know, and I, and I feel that way. And I developed a great relationship with, with coach Resch and, and what we've done over the years with the Archers is just, you know, setting up yourself as a goalie, but also all your teammates, whether it's, you know, it's not only just the six guys that are on the defensive end of the field, when it's settled, it's, you know, all with all the poles that can shoot and all the two bombs that can happen in transition, it's understanding the guys that can do that type of stuff. So, you know, I think preparation is the key for all goalies in the, in the PLL. And, you know, one of the things that still remains true that whether you're six, seven, eight years old and 33 years old in the PLL is, is the work during the week is what, is what provides you the confidence that you're going to be able to, to stop those the shots that you're going to see. And you know, I've always been very thankful to have Will Manny and Brent Adams and, you know, in, in the past, Marcus Holman, guys that can just shoot the ball on you at that speed. So you're seeing it during the week. Um, but again, you know, with, with experience, you, you sort of gain that, that mental toughness, um, the sort of mental endurance to some degree, because, you know, you could start any game out and you can make four straight saves or you could let in the first four. And just knowing that with the shot clock, with the skill of your defensive players, um, you know, that in the end, a lot of these games do sort of come to a head and just staying in the game and, and staying focused so that, cause it just might be the two or three saves that you make at the end of the game. That could be the difference. So whatever happens, you you kind of learn that, you know, you, you just got to find yourself focused and ready to be there in the third and fourth quarter to be at your best and feel out what the offense is doing, who's hot, how you can take things away, how you can adjust and stuff like that. I think those are the, the qualities of a high-level goalie that, that you start to realize becomes even more important than just skill set and athleticism uh, that a lot of goalies do have. Yeah, that mental that mental game is is – certainly tested at the pro level. I know you love film. We'll get into lax film study 
uh, a little later on. But so it sounds like you're watching a lot of tape and your communication with Coach Resch. It's almost like you're defining all the offensive weapons and prioritizing or setting a preference for who you want to shoot, how you want them to shoot and where you want them to shoot from. 100 percent, 100 percent. And whether it's film, we've been, we've been blessed that to, by the league has given us all access to, to great film uh, operating platforms like score break. And, you know, things I'll do is I'll, I'll watch two or three games, um, you know, maybe, maybe two of the game, the most recent games, and then a game that might in the past part of the season, whether we had already played them or there was a defense that defended them really well. I'll try and watch those games to see maybe what, how teams were aligned defensively and who's initiating, what type of sets they're in, um, where guys are being successful. And I've even gone as far as, you know, there's, there's shot charts that the league generates for each individual player where you could see where they're taking the volume of their shots and also where you're, where they're scoring, you know? So if a certain guy's going to his left hand and it's his weekend, he's coming down the alley and he's shooting it under the arc and he's, and he's prone to shoot it, but he's not scoring from there. To some degree you're, you're saying, Hey, maybe let him go. Maybe just be ready to show if he keeps coming. But if he shoots that, that's going to be on me. I'll take care of that one. I love shot charts. And, and Joe Keegan does a wonderful job with the PLL shot charts, something that, that I was using as far back as high school and then in the college. But when I really started implementing is when I was coaching assistant coach at BL for the goalies we had, I would uh-huh. do, you know, I'd do live shot charts during the game just to give a, a better feel for me. It's a visual representation of where you're struggling on defense. Or as you said, like the, the offensive tendencies, what are they looking for? But, but tell me like the subtleties. I, I don't talk about this much on TV because it gets pretty deep in the weeds, but I mean, the type of release a player has, how many fakes a certain shooter is is generally takes. You know, there are one fake shooters, there are two fake shooters, there are no fake shooters, there's yep. four fake shooters. Uh, and, and then the type of stick that player's using. Though back in my day, that those were like criticals. You you had to know, hey, this guy is a one faker. This guy, Timmy Goldstein from Cornell, he was a no faker. And I, uh-huh. I made I mean one of the better saves in my life against him because I knew he was gonna come in and just shoot it without 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 faking. Uh, how do you, how do you formulate those subtleties at the pro level without being bombarded or overwhelmed by too much mental data? You're, you're speaking my language here and, you know, all those mini descriptions of, of a player and where they're releasing the shot from is, is something I am always keyed up on. You know, you, you sort of know the sidearm low release guys, you know, the overhand, you know, the three quarters and, and you also got to know who the guys are that have both and what areas of the field that they use certain releases where, you know, there's, I think one other area of guys now that you're seeing more and more is, are they a traditional far side shooter or are they a near side shooter now? Because that's, I think you're seeing so much immersion from box lacrosse where guys you know, sweeping and even going down the alley and coming around the pipes, they, they're actually getting even better at pulling the ball into the small areas of the goal to the near side corner. And, you know, for me, I'll, <laughs> I'm looking around before the game starts 
you know, I'm watching pregame shooting. I'm I'm looking at how a guy's stick is strung standing in front of me on their attack so that yeah. I know, you know, there, there's certain guys you could just see there's, there's a lot of whip in that stick. That stick is going to come out quick like a Goldstein, you know, and all those things come into play and they, and they help you sort of it's anticipation, but also effective rhythm as a goalie. You know, I think being in rhythm with where the shot's going to come out, where it's going to come out is exceptionally important at our, at our level to sort of be bouncing with rhythm into when the shot's coming and you, and you find when goalies get off balance or they're not in rhythm with the shot, that's when guys seem to struggle a little bit more, which is so hard because the speed, the athleticism, the ball movement, but you know, those are things that you, that you have to be constantly working on as a goalie in our league. Yeah. Any edge, any edge is a good edge. And, and to have a plan is critical. I think of the shooters in this league and man, they come in all shapes and sizes. They're all so different. Like a Chris Cloutier, Connor Kelly from two, Mac O'Keefe continues to befuddle goalies and, and, and your guy, Will Manny with his release, he's got that snappy release. They're all such different, different challenges. Right. It's, it's, a, it's an algorithm almost with, with each one of these guys. And, you know, you have to play your percentages though. You know, I, I, I have this sort of video encyclopedia, i.e. lax film study in my mind of, of every guy who I've seen in the past and experiences of their shots. So at this point, even though Mac has been in the league a few years, I can see in my mind right now, his release from, from the different areas of the field where he's take shots, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I tend to have to figure out the younger guys now, you know, like moving into next year, I'll, I'll have the, the video in my mind of Jack Hanna, you know, who scored a few goals on me that maybe I wanted back. But now I have that visual in my mind and I start that real plays in your head as a goalie. I think, you know, when you're really feeling confident, it's, it's just enough, sometimes a little too much, but um, building that video encyclopedia as a pro goalie, I think is something that's that guys are doing almost subconsciously in our league. I love it. You're 33 and you're coming back for more. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's roll the tape back to uh, more than 10 years, 2011 and 2010. You played in two of uh, very differing playoff games from, from my standpoint. Uh, you won a national championship in a 9-7 game that was uh, not unexpected if you, if you rolled the clock back to February and March of 2011. But the way it went down, it was, it was a little uh, different than anticipated. Colin right. Briggs was the hero. You held him to seven goals. You beat Maryland on a really hot Memorial Day. The prior year, your semifinal game, the one you lost to – Duke was one of the greatest playoff games of all time. Uh, a game played under the lights. Uh, just uh, you got to feel fortunate to have played at a place, Virginia, uh, on that arena. I mean, it, on that stage. What, 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 what are some of your top memories from, from being a Cavalier? Well, I think, you know, when you, when you decide to go to UVA, those are the experiences you dream of. And, you know, the, the moment I can remember in my life as, as a young player goes back to 2003, 
and having the opportunity to see Tillman Johnson play in person in that final four set the dream for me and what I wanted to do as a lacrosse player. And it was almost surreal at points to, to kind of step back every now and again and, and, and realize I was the UVA goalie and I had an opportunity on these weekends to, to win a championship. And, you know, you, you look back at 2010, just starting there, I, I think it's an absolutely different side of the spectrum and in, in sort, of, sort of how my how I emotionally feel about it. Um, you know, obviously you want to win, uh, but, you know, I think that year had – had more to it than, than any other college athlete um, you hope ever has to experience with the loss of Yardley Love and, and what that meant to our team and, you know, having a really incredible playoff run uh, in, in, and playing in some tough games. Um, just thinking about that Stony Brook game even, uh, the quarterfinal there, which was a, an epic game on the island. Well, and um, I, I, was, I was there. That place was rocking. Yeah, I think people understand that was a quarterfinal <laughs> game played on enemy soil with as raucous a crowd as I've ever been around in, in a first or, or quarterfinal yeah. venue. That place, and they were they were really good. You guys, you guys were all out to win that one. Yeah, and and I think we just we felt this magic behind our team. It, we had we had an incredible senior class, and you know a, a very deep team, and and one of the best, if not the best, that I had played with during my time there, but then there's always Duke, you know, and, you know, during that time they, they were playing a style of lacrosse that, you know, coach Dino teaches to each one of his teams, but they also had some special, special players like they always do. But um, it was just one of those games where, again, when I think about it and then something I mentioned earlier was one where I think if I was a little bit more mature, and had a little more mental toughness, I could have I could have hung in there and maybe made that that last save, you know, and that's that's sort of I think what that game taught me in a really, really difficult way. Um, was that sometimes you're just gonna be in these games where they're scoring and offenses are on fire and your defense is a little bit on their heels and you gotta find a way to deal with that. And I think a lot of that comes from working on your mental game, working on your mental toughness, but also, you know, I was inspired even more so to be in, you know, the best physical shape that I could be in. It led me to the next year in 2011 to make sacrifices in my life that I wasn't sort of ready for um, at that, you know, prior to some, some of those experiences. And um, I felt like I really, really was. And, and I think all that kind of came to a head as, as we moved through the playoffs and, you know, a lot, a lot is said about um, the zone defense and how we played offensively. And I think when you're a coach and you're a great coach, like our staff was, uh, Dom Starger, Mark Bernarsdale, um, John Walker, uh, Mikey Thompson, who was helping us out as a grad assistant, you know, they, they did what the team needed based on the personnel we had and, and how we could best execute with the group that we were able to put on the field. And that to me, I think is brilliant coaching and we did what we had to do to win the championship and brought one back to, to UVX and I'll forever be grateful. And I don't know if there's a better feeling than finishing your career out on top. And you know, that's kind of still what keeps me, keeps the fire in me now is, you know, 
if I can get one, uh, I'll, I'll be done. I'll come join you in the booth. Um, so that's what, that's, what's going to keep me pushing. I think, you know, I'm still kind of debating a lot of that. This trip was a lot of soul searching and just, um, you know, making that choice. If, if next year is going to be something that I could just go completely all in on and, and see how it goes. And then we'll see what happens after that. You mentioned 2003. I, I share a similar story from when I was a ninth grader going to, to a, a Hopkins Syracuse championship game and, and how bizarre it was for me to then be shaking hands in that same game five years later and how fast everything had gone. Like, wow. Yeah. Like, I was shaking hands in the national championship. I'm like, wait a second. I was just a little kid watching this game. <laughs> Did you have similar feelings from, from 03 when you were what in seventh grade at Cold Spring Harbor? No, I, 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 I think it was, I think it was really special. I think at that time it was one of those things that after three straight years of being so close and, and finally pulling it off, it was, it was still so surreal. And what sort of grounded me was I first call I get get in the locker room is my high school coach Dennis Bond from Coastal Harbor, and it kind of pulled me back, you know, to all the experiences I had with him and what got me to where I was, and that was that was a really special moment for me. Um, yeah, and it's it, it's crazy to you know all the all the the focus and work you put in to get there and the commitment to becoming a great lacrosse player is is certainly it's a lifestyle thing. That's how I really feel about it. And um, yeah, nothing was better than being able to, to execute it in the, in the championship game and, and come out with a championship. You had a busy summer. You represented team USA in the, in the world games in the sixes. Not only did you play goalie, but you ran some shifts, which was, which was, I was jealous. I was really jealous actually, <laughs> because, because that game was built for me. Uh, what was that like? What was your takeaway from sixes? No, I think Quint, we are, we are a lot of the same in our style as as lacrosse goalies and how we view the lacrosse game. And you know, for me, the sixes game is, you know, the greatest opportunity for our sport to continue to grow in in an organic way. Um, the style is speaks for itself. You know, it's it's extremely fast paced. You get a ton of scoring opportunities like you would in hockey. Um, you know, I think the goalie position is 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 a, is a, as tough as it gets. I, they say it's the toughest position in all of sports. You know, when you're playing ten on ten, you know, with a six by six goal and no extra equipment, uh, the goalie position in sixes is it's similar. It's similar to what we've been talking about, though. Is like you could get 15 goals scored on you, but if you just make that key save, it could be the difference. Um, so it's it's a huge challenge for me. <laughs> To be able to go back on the field and play as a field player was one of the greatest lacrosse experiences of my life. You know, all the way up until I really committed to goalie in ninth grade, that's what I was doing. I was splitting the game with a teammate of mine, play half the game midfield to play half the game goalie. And it was just like, I felt like I was in the backyard again a little bit and didn't have that pregame goalie <laughs> Um anxiety focus that you need to have this which which was a great relief to me to, to just be able to play lacrosse and just play as hard as I could and see where the chips fell and I just had so much fun um running up and down the field again so that was that was special for me well I gotta thank you 
for sharing a, a special moment this summer. You know, uh, dealing with the loss of my brother, you've had a similar loss in your family. That hug, that hug you gave me, I think it was week two or week three. It, uh, it, it really meant a lot to me, Adam, to know that, that there's others who have gone through a similar pain, similar loss, and uh, you had my back. Yeah. And thank you for that. And I want, you know, it's still not easy. You know, we found out recently that, that the driver uh, was intoxicated uh, well over the legal limit. And, and now as a family, we're going to pursue justice. Uh, it's just unfortunate. But uh, what you did that day really made my summer. So thank you. Right. <laughs> You're going to make me cry. Um, you know, as soon as I heard the news, I think, you know, part of my mission since everything that happened to my sister a few years back has, you know, just to be there for, for others in my life. And, you know, it's, it's an experience you don't wish upon anyone to lose, to lose a sibling, to lose a close family member when they're too young. And, you know, I just wanted to make sure that you knew I was there, you know, to, to be frank to you, Quinn, I, you know, I've been, really was excited to, to see that you were going to be on the field with us during the PLL this summer because it was a goal of mine to, to sort of build a relationship with you. I've always really looked up to you as a goalie and, you know, I've watched a million of your broadcasts, uh, you know, covering the game and helping our sport grow. And, you know, I just, just felt like, you know, it's, it's never anything that you can fully find solutions for but you can you can always have people that are there for you and that that makes life a really important and special thing um so just you know i think i think when you texted me the other day you you know after finding out the news it was seek justice and then forget and then forgive yeah you know and i thought that was a, a special way to look at it because accountability in life is is something that's very important but also you, you come to learn and you come to realize that, you know, forgiving too as, as, as a way of moving on is, is something that's also really important. So, you know, I'm, I'm here, here with your brother and, um, you know, anyone else who's ever dealt with that knows it's, it's about the people in your life and, um, you know, thankful to have shared that moment with you as well. Yeah, no, you and, and all the players and the coaches this summer were, were, Really, really, I thoroughly enjoyed being at all these games. It was exciting. I learned a ton. Uh, I couldn't be more excited to keep moving forward. One, one thing I will say, this lax film study, this lax film study on Instagram. <laughs> if Folks, folks, if you, if you don't know, find lax film study on Instagram. You, you need to be following Adam because he puts up clips and they have to, they're, they're valuable in twofold. I love them because they're analytical and they show excellence. Uh, typically, you, you, you don't really pick on, on bad plays. You, you, you pick on, on the good plays. And there's also historical context. You know, the game changes, but the game remains the same. That clip you put up recently about Mikey Powell on the fast break, cutting back door on a four-on-three fast break. Like, how often have I ever seen that play? And I look back at it sometimes and I'm like, man, I undersold that moment. Like that's a play, uh, you know, and no, honestly, I watch him. I'm like, oh, I should have had more fun with that play. Uh, oh, I can't believe I misanalyzed that play. Like it, 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 it pokes holes in my game, but I got to tell you, 
I love, I absolutely love it. And I think you're doing Thank a great you, service. Uh, what, what, what type of clips do you look for? Uh, you know, I, I, tell us about the whole process. Well, number one, I, I think your analysis on that play actually happens when he scores. You all just in a childlike way, just make this like, Oh, you know, like I didn't have words for what just happened. Um, and I think just the beauty of your analysis is that you are there to teach the technical and the analytical components of the game, the background stories, et cetera. But you could just, you could sense your, your passion for the sport. And, you know, this all started for me at a, at a very young age um, in a homeroom on Long Island at my public school where my, Seventh grade lacrosse coach Jim Frank used to pull us into the homeroom before classes started, and he would play old VHS tapes. And it's it was the you know the '94 game with UVA, and you know games through the mid mid '70s, and it was it was something for me that I I never missed any of those mornings because I I didn't know the stories yet, and I didn't know who those players were, and. You know, our coach at that time did a great job of orating that, and he had even coached a few of them um, when they were younger. So for me, that was always like something that was a special experience in my lacrosse development. And, um, you know, during sort of the pandemic, we had a break in our fall. And, you know, one of the things that I always wanted to do for the kids out in Utah was teach them about the history of the game so that they could develop the passion for it in a similar way that, that at least I did. And I know Marcus, Will, Brian, and our staff was the players before you who set and paved the way, you know, there's number one incredible amount of things that you can learn from them, but you should pay the respect to those who came before you if you want to be great at anything. And so it started there. I, I started collecting as many of the games as I could. And, you know, when I, when I started cutting them, it, it was a way for me at that time when we weren't cutting film for our players because our practices had been canceled because of COVID, I could still keep that part of my brain growing. And, and so I was cutting the, the, the games like I was cutting our practices, like ground ball, uh, slide technique, shooting on the run, clearing. And I just almost became obsessed with it. And, you know, before it was said and done, I think I got over a hundred classic games in in the Rolodex of, of stuff that I've clipped. And now there's like 400 plus what we'll call tags, which could be instantaneous moments in any game of something that I thought might be teachable, you know, and to be able to sort of collect those moments, I, I've, you know, really love sharing them with coaches because, a coach could maybe go into a practice or a practice week where they have a focus on something and they can actually go in there and, and find clips of these skill sets and show them to their kids instead of just saying, Hey, this is how you perform this technique. Well, watch, watch Quint Kessinich hold the pipe on this high release here coming around GLE. Watch Dave Petromala approach with his stick out, you know? Um, and it's just from, from a personal standpoint with, with the PLL and, and social media and, and all that. And a lot of players getting a lot of press. I just, it just started to become really cool to me to put up a video of John Hess and Liam Banks and guys who sort of missed that era and pump their tires and let them feel that, you know, 
And I think it, it you know, and I, I, at its greatest moments when, when I'm posting all the time, you can see it galvanize alumni and reconnect players who might be sharing the clips. And I think that's really special. Um, some of the messages I get, some of the comments, um, it's always great to see um, how it's connected a lot of these players back to their, to their teammates and, you know, their coaches and feelings that they had uh, when they were playing. It's, it's a, it's a goldmine folks. Lax film study on Instagram and Twitter, whether it's Pat McCabe's footwork, Liam Banks pump drive up, step away and shot or, or Mikey Powell most recently, you know, pulling the string, cutting back door, making it look easy. Adam, uh, thank you for that. Continued success with Lax Film Study. I'll see if I can grab you some tapes, uh, old tapes. Unfortunately, most of Lee most tapes he threw out in his dumpster in anger. He threw away. He threw away. Oh, I, I, I can't even think about it. It makes me so angry. Uh, but, Adam, thank you, man. Uh, great season. Enjoyed seeing you. Thanks for everything. Continued success out in Utah, being a pioneer and pushing the game out there. And we, we look forward to seeing you uh at a Virginia game maybe next spring or certainly when the archers get training camp going in, in Albany in uh, late May. Thanks so much. Quinn. It's a pleasure talking to you and you know, you're a hero of mine and keep doing what you're doing. You're just amazing for the sport and look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks Adam. 